This is New Classical Tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for this show is to tell somebody else about it, help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. What would it be like to travel in a boat on the Amazon? You know, the Amazon rainforest? That's one of the things you'll get to experience as we learn about a new recording with conductor Shimoni Menesis. She's put out a recording called Amazonia, and she takes us down the Amazon through the music of Eder Villalobos and Philip Glass. That's what we're going to hear about this week on New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. Well, you recently made your North American debut with the Los Angeles Philharmonic. It was an all-Beethoven program. I'm wondering what was most memorable for you about that debut? Oh, it was a a very, very important moment for me uh, because we had this uh, huge Beethoven program with the violin concerto and also Beethoven Eroica, um, which means almost two hours of Beethoven and have this audience with more than 17,000 people uh, to listen uh, two hours of of Beethoven and with a very, very uh, connected intention was very powerful. And also this symphony is so important. The Beethoven Eroica is for me one of the most important Beethoven symphonies. It was really a memorable moment. I know that Beethoven is very close to your heart. Can you talk a little bit about why Beethoven is such an important composer for you? For many reasons. One of that, it's because I was very connected with Beethoven since the beginning of my career when I worked with Pavo Jarvin, Deutsche Philharmonie, Deutsche Kammerphilharmonie of Bremen when they recorded the entire cycle. But also because um, uh, for me, the, the Beethoven music communicates one very universal message i think i think beethoven is this kind of people very idealistic about life and even when he speaks about love it's in a very idealistic way uh, this is maybe why he never get married <laughs> because the love was so ideal for him and then um, the way that he believes in the human being and uh, the way that he makes it works in in music is 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 very powerful and it speaks a lot uh, for me. I want to talk about your path to becoming a conductor, and I know that it started off perhaps with your father, who was an amateur choir conductor. Can you talk a little bit about your path um, and if there's an instrument that led you there, or if it's perhaps you just dove right into conducting? I don't know. Yes, I, I was very lucky to grow up in a house where music was very important. My family is an immigrant Italian family, and I was I was in Sao Paulo when I was a child. And um, music was always part of my life. I study, and, and my main instrument is flute, but I also study piano during several years. And I had the chance to participate in a tradition of choirs 
uh, since I was very young, I sing in choirs. And then in a very natural way, when I was around 15, I began to help to rehearse choirs and uh, to naturally to conduct choirs. And then when I entered in the university, I, it was very clear for me that conducting was what I wanted to do. Um, and then the way to go to the orchestral conducting was very natural. I, I, I had a chance to have good professors that uh, in, included me inside. And the fact of being a musician helped a lot, being a musician that uh, played in an orchestra and knows what the orchestra means. And uh, for me, the conducting is always was was something that attracted me because uh, the the instrument is this, is great because you can express yourself by the music, but it's it can be a very lonely uh, career. And for me, the fact of make music with people is very very important, and this is what makes me so in love by conducting. A real turning point for you was meeting Pavo Yervi. Can you talk about how he changed your way of thinking when it came to conducting? Absolutely. Pavo Yervi is a, really a great conductor, and um, he he's someone that knows all the tradition. There is many things in conducting that we cannot learn in the school. It's, it's still a kind of métier like... Uh, professor and a student that just walk together and a training ship. And um, Pavel had over all his father and his father had all this tradition. He was close of Shostakovich and all these great composers. And then the way that it comes uh, for me was very, very important. And Pavel also is someone that is able to, to make music, always thinking about uh, find the most organic way to to make things work. Not only the intellectual way, but also uh, the the way that the music itself demands uh, finding phrases. And this was something that helps me a lot. And he was a little bit like your Nadia Boulanger, right? In helping <laughs> you find your voice. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, Pavo is someone that... Uh, uh, helps the, his students or his pupils to um, to be themselves, and this is very important. When you are, a, in my case, I was a, a female conductor. We have now we have some models, but when I I begin to conduct, we have not so so much models, and then uh, we try to find ourselves. And then when you have someone that just say you. You can be yourself. Just make the music as your body demands, or as as you believe. Uh, it is a kind of uh, freedom that we get and allows us to go to the next level. You're known for your creative approach as a conductor. What does that mean for you? Uh, I, I think it's very funny be- <laughs> that people think I am creative. I just think sometimes I, I feel that the ideas are, in the air, it's. I just take it. <laughs> uh, for example, for me, when I begin to think about Amazonia project, it was such an evidence that we should do this project. And then uh, when I began this project, wow, this is so creative. But I think somehow the the ideas are in the air. You just need to stop and listen <laughs> what they are saying. And um, 
Yeah, I don't think I have a, a, a menu or a way to make the things creative. I just try to listen people to be interested in different uh, areas and different arts and different kinds of intelligence. And I guess this is the way, maybe. <laughs> What's really important about creativity is having the space for it. How do you create that space being a very busy conductor? And I'm sure your schedule is pretty packed. Mm -hmm. It is, but you must to, to find, absolutely, you must to give for your agenda space to to things that are important but not urgent. I took a decision when I was quite young. It, it seems like a stupid decision, but it, it is responsible for many things. I took a decision that I should meet one person each week, at least one new person. And then in the beginning, I forced myself to, to meet people uh, in different fields. And uh, it makes me open a lot. And I still do that. And, um, and it also makes us to connect people from different areas because in a week you have nobody in music to, to, to meet, but you, you got a dinner with someone uh, from theater and then you get a new connection. Um, and I'm sure that the, mo the biggest treasure that we have is people. Uh, so we should connect with good people, even though it makes no, no sense in the beginning. Uh, in a moment, life will bring back these relationships. Relationships are important when it comes to collaborating as well. And you have said that working with collaborators is kind of like driving a truck or a motorcycle or a car. Each ensemble is different, and you need to be able to understand them as quickly as possible. So what did you do to quickly understand how to work with Philharmonia Zurich, your collaborators, on this new recording? Mm. Uh, it's very true I, uh, each orchestra is like a different instrument we need to adjust very fast uh, what is going on uh, Zurich was a very very nice surprise because it is uh, in the beginning I was a little bit like I'm going to play this music which is somehow a music with some Latin tradition with um, a Switzerland orchestra but I realized very fast that they have this strong point, which is the rhythmic precision. The rhythm that they have is really unbelievable. They are very, very precise. And then it makes the interpretation of this music get very strong because, uh, as you know, Villa Lobos has this kind of almost primitivism rhythm. And so they find the strongest point of an orchestra and uh, make it appears is uh, one thing that we can do very well and very fast. The centerpiece of Amazonia, your new recording, is a tone poem by Adria Lobos, and it's one that's fascinated you for years. Can you talk about what captivates you about this work? Hmm. Actually, this is a piece that I, since I was young, uh, I love it, this piece. Since the first time I, I, I listened to it, and uh, I realized that this piece should be part of the standard repertory. 
And uh, it was not for some practical reasons, such as the fact that uh, during many, many years it stays in the manuscript. And it was, uh, it was very difficult for orchestras to program it. And then around 10 years ago, we had a very good edition that was done by the Academia Brasileira de Música. And then I, 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 I begin to talk about this piece with different orchestras in different contexts. And, uh, uh, and, then, when, uh, and then Philharmonie de Paris uh, told me that they would like to make this music uh, works uh, in a big project. And then I decided to take this music with some musicologists and organize a suite in a way that it could be a 45 minutes uh, like a Mahler symphony, you know, uh, using still uh, a singer because they they have this big orchestra, but also a singer with the, some leads, kind of leads, um, and then we put together this this music. For me, there is it's hard to say in words, but my opinion is that this music has some very strong points. The first one, it's an epic. It sounds somehow as a Carmina Burana. this large aspect and sounds like a monumental music. The second, because the, the kind of uh, lyricism of Villa Lobos uh, is very touching. Sometimes we think about Latin American music like uh, uh, happy music, but this case, no. This case, it's a deep music, and the melodies come from the influence of Fado, which is a Portuguese deep song. And also with this, we have this uh, primitivism rhythm like Stravinsky. So uh, there it's too many elements that make this special for me. <laughs> and that might be why this orchestra was such a good fit, because as you said, they're so precise with their rhythms and everything, which isn't so important for this piece. And I know that this recording is a celebration of the Amazonian rainforest. Why did you want to do that? Why did you want to bring this rainforest into the forefront through this music? I, for me, the Amazonia is one of the, the, the biggest treasure of humanity. Uh, we have this huge place that produces many of our research and uh, we should consider that we are uh, we are in a beautiful garden that is this earth and uh, we have our our job as guardians of this garden and um, even though there is uh, in this moment we have a political situations that say that uh, that have different point of views about Amazonia. My point of view with this project is just to make people see how 
huge and how touching is this uh, this music, how touching and how beautiful is this place and um, how important is our responsibility face on it. And it's very funny that Villa Lobos, when he wrote many pieces uh, in the end of his life, he wrote, maybe my music is uh, are letters from the posterity. And I think this is the case of this piece now. As you are leading this piece of music with the orchestra, is there a point, or maybe there's more than one, where every time you get to it, you're just like, oh, Mm. (laughs) that's the part that, oh, and where is that? And can you describe it for us? Yeah, there there are a few. (laughs) Uh, But maybe I can tell you, I think the most touching is the ending of the species. It's called Epilogo. Uh, the very the last movement because somehow it, it is a summing up of, of everything and um, the melody is the soprano that will sing it. But they will not sing with lyrics. It's just a kind of vocalist with the orchestra. And then we have the feeling like if the human being is not over the nature, but in the nature, the way that he built up this voice. Um, The soprano is not a solista, she's part of the orchestra. And um, I think this last movement uh, maybe is the most touching after listen everything. And it was very funny because uh, uh, we played this piece many, many times. I mean, I, I, I conducted this piece maybe 11 or 12 times recently. And um, it was first time that I saw in the concert musicians with um, crying during the concert was in this last movement. You close out the recording with a piece by Philip Glass, and that literally takes us on a journey through the rainforest. Tell me about this piece. And, um, I mean, it's a really beautiful piece. I literally, I've not been to the Amazon, but I thought, oh, I feel like I'm there. (laughs) Talk about this piece and why it was such a wonderful fit for this recording and this project. Um, First of all, because uh, what Philip Glass represents, I mean, he's someone that also is a great composer, maybe one of the greatest composers of our days. And uh, he also was someone very committed with the, the things that has value for us today. And um, I would like to create a contrast between Villa Lobos and a different point of view of uh, Amazonia. Uh, the music of Philip Glass for me is like travel in a boat on the on the river of Amazonia, seeing all the animals, what is going on. Thank you. 
and then getting more intense. Sometimes we can hear some raining. And then it's going faster. Then we have the feeling in a moment that we are in a kind of uh, tribal ceremony. Until the very ending that all the, the orchestra just cry. It's a very apotheotic, but very different of the feeling of Villa Lobos. And this contrast for me was very interesting. You've touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to ask it anyway. The Amazonia Project, both on stage and on this recording, is meant to be art that goes straight to the heart. Can you talk more about what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, one thing that I feel is um, for my generation of musicians and the younger generation of musicians, is that we live in a very challenged moment because we have so, so much... Uh, we have amazing musicians everywhere. We have on the internet, on the YouTube, virtuoses in all the world. And, um, and then it, it becomes very clear for us the difference between... Uh, an amazing musician and an artist. And um, an amazing musician is someone that can play um, very, very well. And an artist is someone that sometimes with three notes make us cry. <laughs> and, um, and then I think to make the difference today, we need to have more artists. And, um, and with Amazonia, uh, this is one of my... Uh, goals. I mean, just show a music able to say about important things with no speech, just with the music, with art that go straight to the heart, not passing by the filter of the intellect sometimes. And uh, it should be what art uh, should done for the humanity. There is an exhibition that goes along with this music, and you've already presented it, uh, both you know, the concert and the exhibition itself in Paris, Zurich, Rome, London, Rio de Janeiro. And you've been working with a photographer on this project. Can you talk more about that and how audiences are responding to this full project? I, I was very honored to work with uh, Sebastian Salgado. Salgado, in my opinion, is one of the best photographers alive in our days. He's almost eight. And um, he spent seven years uh, in uh, Amazonia photographing. And the Philharmonie de Paris asked us to put together the music of Villa Lobos with his images. And we worked during a long time to choose one image from each musical phrase. And then we can play with these images at the same moment of the music. And sometimes we combine it with an exposition. Um, and uh, it, it makes the, the experience of Amazonia even more real for people that are in the concert. Um, the exposition of Salgado is really a big success. I mean, in general, 
they have uh, um, thousands of, of people every day in the exposition and the audience can be very touched because we put together visual and uh, music in a very collaborative way. Salgadi used to say that um, uh, sometimes he thought that Villa Lobos composed this piece for his images. <laughs> and I have the same feeling because they, they match in a, in a so powerful way uh, that it, it's really a, an experience that uh, the people should try. For someone who is just hearing about you, Simone, what is it you'd like them to know about you? Uh, for me, the music is a language. I, I believe that the music is a, a, a universal language and classical music is a universal language that can be connected with everybody. And, uh, and this is my goal, to, to make classical music available to everybody, uh, not only because... Uh, we have uh, educational projects, etc., but because we speak about subjects and the feelings that all human beings have. So I think this is my goal, um, and I see myself as a conductor and a musician, but uh, uh, first of all, as a human being that wants to connect with people. Oh, that's wonderful. I do want to talk about your role as a woman in this field. I know that one of the obstacles you've had to overcome is just simply being female. Can you talk about how you have done that or are doing that? Yeah. Well, um, in the beginning of my career, to be very honest, uh, I had a very good background, very solid musical background. And I realized that uh, the orchestras in the beginning of my career do not invite me. They invite only my male colleagues. And then I created my first orchestra. And then I realized that they still didn't invite me. <laughs> and then uh, step by step, I understood that the question was not that I was not good enough, but that I was not considered because I was a woman. Um, but it was too late to change my career. And then I keep this pet. And I'm... I am glad to, to see that at least in the last five or seven years, things are changing and uh, changing fast. And I think my, my generation is too, will be a transition generation, but we are going to a, a more uh, equal place. I'm confident about that. What have you discovered about yourself? Maybe even something that surprised you as you put this project together. I discovered that our identity needs to be considered if we want to be a real artist. Um, so when I see the music of Villa Lobos and I see his mixing of European tradition with Latin tradition, I completely understand it under my skin. And it makes me have true to say with this music. Um, I also understand that the importance to play the, the 20th century repertory, because the 20th century 
was the moment where the, the seed of classical music spread around the world and we have this diversity of music in USA with Copland and Gershing and uh, Japan with um, Takemitsu and all these composers that come at the, this moment um, and this this globalization of the music is something that speaks with my heart also. A new recording called Amazonia, featuring Philharmonic Zurich with Brazilian conductor Shimoni Menesis. Thanks to Valerie Kaler. She's our producer for new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Macher. We have educational projects, etc., but because 